Welcome back to Gridlocked. My name is Tracy Taylor. I'm a Seattle uh, area traffic reporter. This is my personal podcast. And a lot of you have reached out to me on all of my social platforms, whether it be on Twitter, and that's Tracy T. Traffic. You can reach me on Facebook, that's Tracy T. or Tracy Taylor Traffic, or right here. You can also reach me on my own website, and that's TracyTaylorTurner.net. But I have a personal friend and somebody that I have dealt with, um, you know, when it comes to the industry, when it comes to transportation and traffic. Uh, but again, he's still kind of a personal friend. I mean, I worked with him for several years, well back in my Spokane days. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ian Sterling to the podcast, and he works for the Washington State Ferries. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Tracy, I like that you said you've dealt with me over well, the years. <laughs> probably, that's probably accurate. <laughs> well, Ian and I go way back, way back into the Citadel broadcasting days in uh, good old Spokane, Washington. Ian, you were on oldies. Yeah, so here we are in the here we are in the big city, right? Yeah, and, we are uh, in the big city. And I understand you had some questions about State Ferry. I certainly do. So I had um, Jen. Her name is Jen Brown. She reached out to me on my Facebook page, and she says, Hey, my wife and I always talk about how we don't utilize our waterways in western Washington. So why don't we have north and southbound ferries? Now, we already have the ferry docks. We would think it'd be super simple. So why can't we run boats from Bellingham south to Tacoma and hit all the ferry docks in between? So, Ian, it's not a better question other than to ask you, because, quite frankly, I'm stumped on the reason why we don't have ferries that run north-south. Yeah, and, you know, there's renewed interest in that as the freeways become more congested. And uh, the fact of the matter is, back in the day, we did run uh, ferries north and south, especially during the war, that type of thing, between Tacoma and Seattle was a common run. Uh, and those were abandoned as the freeways uh, were improved, and now they're being looked at again, but usually for passenger-only service, which the state isn't involved with. That's uh, more counties and that type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a push right now to take a look at running passenger ferries, say, from Seattle to Olympia or Seattle to Tacoma. Um, as far as the big state ferries, the car ferries that carry a couple hundred cars each, that type of a thing, um, there is not um, a big push to take a look at moving cars using the ferry boats north-south, at least at this point in time. You know, and it's interesting because I would think if I could save myself anywhere, I mean, and anybody knows, on a good Friday afternoon where it's raining, the drive from Seattle to Tacoma can run in upwards of two hours, maybe even a longer. Uh, so, you know, to be able to just jump on a boat, and if it took an hour, I'd be okay with it because at least I don't have to look at the license plate in front of me the whole time. Yeah, sometimes I think we forget as ferry commuters how easy we have it. Uh, you're not sitting there in gridlocked uh, traffic. You have a galley you can go to, a restroom you can use, you know, and a bench to sit on or lay on. That's uh, usually more pre- pleasant than sitting in a traffic jam. And a lot of people have figured that out. So if you look at, say, Vashon Island, mm-hmm. uh, on those weekend days or when there's really bad traffic backups on the highway or the freeway, I-5 in particular, people will go out of Point Defiance and get onto um, Vashon Island, go across it in their car, and then get on the ferry to West Seattle. And it so it does happen. you got to take two ferry boats, and there's a drive in between, but you're not stuck in that rush hour traffic. And you have a beautiful view, so you really can't complain about that either. Hey, you got whales, you've got uh, seals, you've got all sorts of um, kind of entertainment right outside your window. It's a great way, an iconic way to get around Puget Sound. 
there definitely is a renewed interest uh, in ferries right now. We are carrying more people than we have in the past dozen years at least, 25 million passengers last year. Uh, and to go back to when we carried more people, that was back when we were in the passenger-only business, had those high-speed ferries between Bremerton and Seattle. We were ordered out of that back in like 2007. Uh, the counties have taken over that service. But even with that, we're approaching the same levels that we had back then um, without the passenger-only service. So a lot of people moving back and forth across the Sound. You know, a variety of reasons for that. One of them is that housing has become quite expensive. Uh, on the Seattle side of the water. And if you can live in Bainbridge or Bremerton or Kingston, uh, you're probably saving a lot uh, on your housing costs. And you get to take that ferry boat ride for, you know, 30 minutes or so into Seattle every day. So that also poses a question, and it's something that I've always been concerned about. You know, with people that do move out to, for instance, Bainbridge Island or Bremerton, for that matter, and take the boat in for work every day, uh, we run the risk of having some sort of ferry issues. Now, I mean, it seems as of recently, we've had a few boat problems where it becomes necessary maintenance or required maintenance or, for that matter, maintenance in general. So going into the spring and summer sailing schedules, how are how is the Washington State Ferries preparing for this? And are the boats where they need to be for the summer season? Yeah, you know, that's always a good question. And quite frankly, uh, no, we're hanging by a thread and we usually are. I mean, this is something that ferry riders are familiar with. Um, you know, the fleet is aging. We have boats that are 50, sometimes upwards of 60 years old in the uh, case of the Tilikum. Uh, and, and the technology inside that boat is even older. Its drive motors are stamped with 1940-something because it came out of a uh, World War II-era destroyer that was um, that was surplus at the end of the war. And so, you know, you're talking 1940s tech, uh, trying to keep up with the demands of today. And so that's tough. It's tough to find parts. It's tough to find people that know how to work on them. And, of course, you're just dealing with vintage machines that aren't as fast and aren't able to keep up with the rigors of a modern ferry system. So building new boats um, is important to help stabilize things. Uh, will we ever have a bunch of spare boats, like, say, the bus companies have a bunch of spare buses if they have a bus break breakdown? Probably not when you're talking $160 million for a new boat. Um, and so that leaves you without a deep bench. And so if you have a mechanical breakdown, or I know you want to talk about crab pot lines, mm-hmm. sometimes those will get wrapped around a propeller shaft and cause some damage to the seal between, you know, the dry spot inside the engine and the and the water outside. Um, any of those things can take a ferry out of service, and then that means if you don't have any kind of a spare that you're going to have service reductions. And so it's quite a challenge. Now, it seemed like last summer we had more often than not crab pot issues. So what is the ferries doing to kind of reiterate the message, hey, watch where you're throwing those things? Yeah, last couple of years have been really tough, and it's hard to believe that something like a little recreational crab pot line can cause that kind of damage to, you know, a multi-ton, multi-million dollar machine, but that is indeed what happens, and we've definitely seen an increase of those in the last couple of years, and so last year, um, we partnered with Fish and Game and had a big campaign and news conferences and posters on the boats and all that, advising people, you know, how to fish for crab. Uh, and not lose their gear and not damage a state ferry and inconvenience, you know, potentially tens of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're finding is a lot of these are first-time crabbers or people that don't necessarily know what they're doing. Because if you know what you're doing, you don't throw your crab pot in front of a state ferry or anywhere else out in the shipping lanes because you're likely to lose your gear. So I, I don't think this is happening intentionally, uh, but it has caused, for whatever reason, um, a number of 
instances where we've had to take boats out of service because crab pot lines have gotten wrapped around uh, the propeller shaft, worked their way into the seal, and caused pretty big damage. Yeah, and it's just amazing all of the uh, pictures that you have put out uh, within this last summer where the damage that has been done to the boats is just unbelievable. I've never seen such damage uh, to anything, like a vessel for that matter. So uh, it's really interesting. If you want to see pictures of that, I'll put those up on my uh, website, and that's tracytaylorturner.net. Now, Ian, we have got a lot going on, especially with the Washington State Ferries this summer. I mean, today being Wednesday, April 10th, it was a uh, new, I don't know, do we want to call it new? It's like the new terminal up in the Muckleteo um, area and uh, for that ferry run, too. Yeah, we got a couple, really the biggest construction projects, uh, arguably in Washington State Ferries history, uh, going on right now simultaneously. So one of them is Coleman Dock. The Coleman Dock uh, is being reconstructed as it is in use, and you can imagine what a challenge that is. It's uh, quite the delicate ballet to try and move people through the busiest ferry terminal in the state uh, that serves two routes, you know, Bremerton and Bainbridge into downtown Seattle. Uh, while you're building a new terminal around them. So that's been uh, very interesting to watch. A few more years of construction to make that happen. On a faster timeline is the Muckleteo Terminal. And one of the reasons it's faster is that terminal is being rebuilt about a quarter mile um, kind of southeast of where the current terminal is on the Muckleteo waterfront. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because of that, they can build and continue to operate the existing terminal, which was built back in the 50s. It's just too small to handle the traffic demands of today. Muckleteo Clinton is our busiest route for vehicles. You know, there's a boat in and out of there every 25, 30 minutes. And so we move a lot of cars and trucks on that route. Uh, this new terminal, which opens, you know, like 2020, mm-hmm. so relatively near term, yeah, um, will be much better suited to that route. It has overhead loading for passengers, which will speed everything up and be safe. Um, it won't lock up. Basically, the waterfront on Muckleteo, if you ever go through there, you know, the ferry offloading is very disruptive uh, to the traffic flow and to people trying to enjoy the waterfront there. And so by moving this a little bit, building bigger holding lanes and a nicer facility and also a transit facility. So we'll be able to hook up with our transit partners easier, um, you know, so people can decide to walk across, say, from Whidbey Island and then take a bus once they get to this side of the water. So it's going to be a great asset out there uh, and really open it up in about a year and a half. So, well, we've got to wrap things up for today's podcast. So, Ian, that's exciting news. I'm super pumped about the new Coleman Dock, of course, the new um, Uncle Teal Terminal. I can't wait to get out there and see them. I know you and I were just talking about the fact that I need to come out and see some of these terminals and do some more ferry stories. And you better believe it, with a summer that we're supposed to have, I will be out there enjoying a lot of those ferry runs. So, again, thank you for your time. I certainly appreciate it. If you want to reach out to Ian, you can find him for the Washington State Ferries. He is uh, he is the man, aren't you, Ian? <laughs> yeah, I've been dealt with by Tracy once again. <laughs> Ian, thanks again for your time today.